This episode of Your Catholic Life is brought to you by Iowa Catholic Radio, connecting listeners with Christ, iowacatholicradio.com, and everywhere you are on the free Iowa Catholic Radio app. Welcome in, everyone, to Your Catholic Life, a podcast for Catholics by Catholics, helping you grow in your faith. I'm John Leonetti, your host. Father John Ricardo, if you don't know who he is after this interview, you will. Now, it's a longer podcast than normal, and that's because this man has been one of my chief inspirations in our faith. His words, his insight, have helped countless people discover or rediscover a life rooted in the gospel where they grow madly in love with Jesus Christ. He's got a new initiative now called Acts 29, and you'll hear all about it. Here he is, my long conversation with Father John Ricardo. Father John Ricardo is with us right now, along with Joe Stopulus. I'm not going to say, again, I told you at the beginning of the episode, I'm just here to listen. I wanted to just kind of intro uh, seat here. That way I don't have to text. Listen, I have a question. people are here for you. Yeah, I'm sure. People are yeah, listening yeah. right now. They can listen at 9 a.m. on Mondays if they want to hear me. How do you stay in such good shape, Father? I mean, you work out? Yeah, I try to work, work out. Do you? Yeah. You always stayed in good shape? Try to, yeah. I've just learned uh, as a man, I heard a line from Father Michael Scanlon recently, you know, the old president of Franciscan University, who says, a man needs to sweat for an hour every day. Yeah. It's like, that's a great line. An hour? Really, it yeah. seems aggressive. Okay. I like it. Father, right, Michael, listen, Father Mike Scanlon. So you, got, you, got a, you got a holy hour and a full hour of working out. Absolutely. There's two gone. That's two right there, right. plus mass, that's three. See you. There you all go. Right. Have a nice day. So much for sleep, right? <laughs> that's all it is, It's man. overrated. That's all it is. Uh, Whitney asked, Father John, uh, I'm so excited to attend tonight. Night. When are you going to write another book? I'm writing one right now, actually, are you? Uh, on this whole story. So it's called the Une- the uh, the shocking and unexpected news that is the gospel. The shock or something to that effect. Yeah, know, we're still coming out. So hopefully it'll come out in uh, somewhere around Easter. But it's so I'm I'm just passionate about this. Right in the midst of all the crises that are happening in the church right now and in the world, it's easy to get kind of lost in the weeds. And so I've. Um, I feel like the Lord's called me in a particular way simply to be a herald of the story and to remind people um, what's the big picture, what's God's plan for the world, and what's our mission in it. So that's what this book's going to be about. It'll be something short, sweet, simple, hopefully, and uh, be the kind of thing you can give to people and go, this is the gospel. When did that conversion really happen in your own life? I mean, when did you really meet the Lord? I know your father and mother introduced him to you and you, you, know, you, you had that relationship, but when did it just kind of, you own it? I mean, you just said, I'm in, Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm all in for you. Uh, this morning. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good answer. <laughs> I have to do it every morning. That's a great answer. Right? It's like, I heard a guy say, uh, he was asked one time, like, when did you, uh, when did you become a priest? He goes, this morning. Yeah. Because it's just like you getting married, you know, when you're married, it's yeah. like, hey, when did you get married? You can either go, well, we got married, you know, a bunch of years ago, or you can choose every day to love your wife or your husband. And it's one thing to wear a ring. It's another thing to actually choose to love the person yep. that you're in a relationship with. I, so I knew the Lord since, I mean, it's, he's like my first conscious thought. Um, which makes all my rebellion and sin and whatnot all the worse, quite honestly, you know, because I always knew what I was doing. Sure. Always. Um, but it was in probably like early, mid-20s when I finally seriously began to start making some choices to put him first. Yeah. Uh, your father uh, had since passed away. Um, yeah, three years in Three February. years ago. Three years, man. Three years um, in February. What's the one thing you take away from him? Be great. <laughs> 
Be great. Yeah. That's how I summarize my dad's words to me and everybody that I know. Be great. Be great. Your mom's still alive? No, she passed last uh, September. Really? A year ago, September. My gosh. I know. What was her, yeah. what was her uh, lasting memory on your, on your soul? Uh, love well. Love well. You have uh, brothers and sisters. Um, are you close with them? I have three sisters. I lost my brother uh, three years ago in April. My so my dad, dad and my brother yeah. lost. Uh, they died yeah. within six weeks Sorry of each to hear other. That. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. So I got three sisters. We're close um, and uh, stay in touch every day, more or less pray for each other every day. My parents started this great tradition uh, when we were all young because there's five kids. And so my mom and dad decided that they would assign a day of the week to one of the kids and that the two of them, mom and dad, would pray for each of the kids on that day. So like Monday was my oldest sister's day. Tuesday was my middle sister's day. Wednesday was my uh, youngest sister's day. Thursday was my brother. And Friday was me. And uh, It's a penitential day. It's a good day to have. Yeah. And Friday is a day when, like, nobody gets into trouble on Tuesday, right? <laughs> so me, I got Fridays, like God knew what he was doing. And um, so um, so we continue that. And so we all pray for each other on the days that my our parents assigned. Our, the grandkids and great-grandkids still do that. They pray for each other on days they've kind of, like, kept on a tradition or started a tradition amongst themselves. It's a great thing for parents to do, you know. So you got three kids, you know. Mm-hmm. One gets Monday, one gets Wednesday, one gets Friday. I like that. You and your wife get Tuesday and Thursday. Yeah. And then you tell the kids, like, hey, let's all pray for soever on this day. I think the example of your parents is clearly shown just what we talked about in the first part. The parents matter. Right? I think one of the problems we have in today's society in the Catholic realm, especially when it comes to schooling, is people just sending their kids to Catholic school and expecting them to just be these great kids and know the faith. It's like, well, no, no, no. That's your responsibility. Mm-hmm. The school can help augment what you're doing at home, but to your point with the ceiling, you got what you got from your parents. You saw the example they did and what their lives led, and that was the inspiration to you and your siblings to, to live the faith. I think that's the that's what we got to communicate to parents today. You can't right. just send the kids to Catholic school. If you're not doing it at home, the Catholic schools have no chance. It's got to be your example that they're seeing. Anyway, obviously you it's talk exactly about right. that a lot uh, with your parents and the example they were. My wife and I try to live that out. I mean, obviously your parents were such great examples to you, and you know, we just try to share that with, with as many people as possible. Saying, listen, you can't just send your kids to Dowling and just hope, and then you're not doing anything at home with right, them. Right. Yeah, and then a, a word of encouragement to parents who, who are like, man, I, but I, I live the faith, you know, like I love the Lord, and I did try to set an example, and my kids have wandered away, like, mm-hmm. and so the enemy's tactic with them is yep. y- you failed, you, you, you did a bad job, and that's not true. Like, you, you could be the Virgin Mary and St. Joseph, but if your son isn't Jesus, um, he's still going to be rebellious. Mm-hmm. And so it has, you can, you, you can set the example, but, but at the end of the day, like, I can't, make you choose to surrender. I can only till the soil and give you an example. And uh, so I just want to encourage those who've done that. Don't, don't give in to discouragement or despair or to feel like don't, don't listen to the enemy's lies. I mean, just continue to trust that the example that you set um, has laid a foundation and that God wants your kids more than you do. My experience uh, increasingly so of late is I think one of the major crises in the church is I don't think people know the story. So I look out at people's faces in mass, and uh, the image that I use oftentimes is it's like looking at people who just woke up in the middle of chapter 83 of a book, mm. and they're looking around going, where am I, and what's going on, yeah. and why am I here, and well, they don't even know they're in a book, they don't know they're in a story, they don't know what it's about, they're just lost, right? And, and I would argue, I don't think many Catholics have ever actually heard the gospel 
in a in a short, condensed, concise form, in a way that overwhelms them, to the place where, as uh, Pope John Paul the Great used to say, um, leads them to surrender themselves to Jesus. I just don't think that's ever happened to most people. Hmm. And um, I think it's actually what a lot of our evangelical brothers and sisters do really well. It's why it's not unusual to hear someone say, I grew up Catholic, and then I like I met Jesus at first prayers or whatever. Right. And um, I know what they mean by that. They were meeting Jesus all the time, objectively, in the sacraments. But oftentimes, people never hear the gospel, what, what, what technically we would call the kerygma, which is just the Greek word for proclamation. You know, I, I don't think it's any, any surprise that we see a lot of young people today that have left the faith. How do, how do you parent that? Yeah, huge question, right? So the, the narrative from the culture at large is something like this. Um, your kids don't listen to you. Um, you're not very influential on them. Um, what they're really interested in is sports or music or their teachers or their coaches or whatever. That's, those are the people who are making the impression on them. The data, Notre Dame did a study on this a set of years ago, and the data that comes back is so strongly contradictory. Really? The data is overwhelmingly the biggest influence on kids teenagers is their parents Mm -hmm. and the way they put it this is a great way of hearing it i think is uh hands down there's not a close second the single most important pastor a child ever has is his mom or dad Mm. and they set a kind of glass ceiling through which the kids will almost never pass through and um and and the, the encouraging thing in all this is uh, what leads kids to faith and what, what parents need to do, if you will, are really simple things. Like you don't have to have the catechism memorized. You don't have to have a doctorate in theology. You don't have to have all the answers. You need to be authentic. Like live your faith. Don't be, not necessarily be perfect. No one's perfect. But just live your faith. Um, talk about the faith at home. Go to Mass. Like it's, if you do those things, the impact on a, on a child, especially if a father if he's got a son, sure. is massive. Um, so so the devil's temptation, right, which I just, just kind of shadowed this last night too, is, um, man, you guys are never going to win. Mm-hmm. This is my world, and I'm just going to continuously, relentlessly come after your kids, and you have no chance. The reality is Jesus has crushed the enemy, and he's given us authority over him. And he's given a particular authority to parents to pray for and fight for their kids. We oftentimes, I think, misunderstood the passage where Jesus says to Peter, you know, you are rock and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we, we think that means something like, well, no matter how bad it gets, I guess the church will always be surviving, you know. But, but that's not a – gates are defensive measures, right? Nobody gets attacked by a gate. Right. Right. What Jesus is saying is hell has no chance. Go get my world back. I can't even keep up with our text messages here. Welcome, Father John Ricardo de Des Moines. Love listening to your show. My, six, uh, my sisters must be texting yeah. in. Uh, speaking of your show, you were saying you are going to continue or create a new podcast. It's going to be every other week now. Correct. Yeah. So it'll be, we'll, we'll put an announcement out, uh, you know, like all, all the channels, iTunes, Spotify, whatever, um, let people know. It's going to be called uh, You Were Born for This, and it'll be uh, launching sometime before the end of the year. Every time I listen to you on your podcast or something, you've got this new talk. Where do you get it all? I mean, where do you get fed? Oh, uh, well, prayer, first and foremost, you know. Um, and then I, 
I don't know about you. Like I have to read incessantly. Yeah. I don't have three small kids, so you probably don't have any time I don't to remember read, but, it all. I um, read, but I don't remember it all. You know why I read, though? I read because uh, if I didn't read, I wouldn't have anything to say. Mm-hmm. So I'm always afraid, like, I'm going to run out of things to say, you know? So most of my friends are uh, are dead. They're authors who've passed away, but I uh, I, I call them friends just because uh, they, they feed my mind so much. So I've... I've uh, I've come across a couple of people, especially in the last couple of years, who've really impacted my life and what it is that God's asking me to do right now. You know, the, the exciting thing about what's happening in the church right now is there's this space uh, that we could call parish renewal or transformation, and a whole set of people are stepping into it. People like James Mallon, Father James Mallon and Divine Renovation uh, out of Canada. They do some great work. Uh, Matthew Kelly's work, obviously, Dynamic Catholic, Dynamic Parish. Uh, Tim Klimkowski out of uh, Denver and uh, what he's doing with uh, Lalto, um, Evangelical Catholic. There's some places out of Texas. We're another entity, if you will, that's kind of stepped into this space that we feel like God's called us to do. But our work's really different. I mean, thanks be to God, we all need to be different, right? Or uh, we wouldn't need all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, our work f- uh, focuses in on our strategy is really simple. We, we will go where a bishop invites us to come and speak to all of his priests at once. What that enables us to do is bring the priests on retreat because God's just made it abundantly clear that the, the, the starting point for parish renewal was really the healing of priests. Man. You, you might notice that the church culture is kind of beat up right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. So our brother, you know, my brother's... Um, they're like trauma surgeons. You know, they just live in trauma. And uh, they're the kind, you know, these people who get into church, whether they're laymen and women, so, you know, you guys are, um, or priests are, are people who tend to love to give, to pour out, but we rarely ask people to pour in to us. And so you end up easily getting uh, isolated, discouraged, lonely. So guys just feel like they're out there on an island, you know. So we really feel like God wants us first and foremost to to go. The bishop invites us to go. We can we can bring the priests on retreat. We preach the gospel to them. It's just the word of God. We offer a time of healing, prayer ministry for them. Then we share what we feel like the Lord shared with us, what we call three essential principles for parish renewal. Um, and then we talk to the bishop afterwards and just say, um, okay, you've seen who we are, what we do. Why don't you give us like five or six names of pastors that you think you would like us to consider working with. Hmm. And then what we do is we kind of do a, a mutual intake process so that they can discern, we can discern, are we a good fit for you? Are you a good fit for us? Cause we're not for everybody. We, we don't presume to be. Uh, and then we'll get it down to two or three. And then we would go back to those two or three parishes, be on site so that we can be in the culture and help them, uh, you know, over like three, four, four or five day visits spread out over a course of months. And we're there until you tell us you don't need us anymore. And again, there's no charge. Mm -hmm. And we try to do a set of things, you know, do a retreat, do a lot of team building because the biggest challenge, the most essential principle to making parish life transform, the hardest principle, I should say, uh, is becoming healthy as an organization. So God gave us an image he said years ago that the parish is kind of like a human, it's the body, it's the eyes, the ears, the hands, the feet, the staff of the parish it's the spinal cord. Hmm. And if the spinal cord is pinched, the body can't function. So here's the sober, honest reality about most parish staffs. They're not pinched. They're snapped. Hmm. <laughs> and almost everybody knows it. You yeah. know, it's a rare, and this is true in most organizations, right? We could be Ford, could be Chrysler, could be Google, could be whatever. Um, 
so to be healthy means you have really high morale, you have very little politics, you have no silos, you have great clarity on what you're about. Um, there's no egos. There's a commitment to results. There's vulnerability. There's transparency. Uh, you hold each other accountable. And the best thing I'll say about our team, you know, we're five folks. Um, we pray every day together. Um, and we argue really well. Mm-hmm. We have great conflict. Yeah. Because nobody wants to win. We just want God to win. Right. So we're trying to, we're trying to help parishes become like that. Because the work that they're doing outside of family life is the single most important work that's going on in any area. And they got to get healthy because God wants his world back. So um, acts29.org, there's a, a, a way on there that you can both sign up to pray for us uh, as well as sign up to give to us. And we're, we're beyond grateful. Uh, Father John Ricardo, I want to thank you, man. Uh, you were generous with us this morning with your time, an entire hour. My How about joy. it? Great to be with you guys. So there you have it, friends. He's awesome. What many don't know about that interview, though, is that it went on about three hours after the show. No, it wasn't on air, but sitting with him was a highlight of my life. Let's take to heart what this man of our Lord has said and make falling in love and staying in love with the living God the most important part of our life. Big thanks to Father John Ricardo, my guest today. Friends, make sure to share this and other episodes of Your Catholic Life on Facebook and Twitter, inviting your friends to take part in the show. Visit our website at yourcatholiclifepodcast.com as well. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm John Leonetti signing off here on Your Catholic Life. Remember, the only way to happiness is by holiness. Be confident in Christ's mercy and his love today.